0: the I see over me the the This is America on par, a powerful punch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening in. I watched the State of the Union address this week, which is President Obama's last. There really weren't any policy proposals there. Nothing really saying what he was going to accomplish in his last year in office. He was uh, talking about other things beyond his term in office, is how he kind of put it. And I think that's mostly because the president doesn't think he can actually get anything done. He doesn't think there's anything that he wants to get through Congress that will actually get through Congress. So why bother wasting his breath? I, I think the president believes. The partisan divide is too large to get anything done. And and he actually mentioned that directly as a regret during his State of the Union address. It's one of the few
1: regrets of my presidency that the rancor and suspicion between the parties has
0: gotten worse instead of better. Few regrets. Interesting. There's a lot of things I think he should regret. But look, that's fodder for another podcast. Let's, let's just stay on the rancor, which, by the way, I love that word. It reminds me of the monster that Luke Skywalker defeated. He shut the door on the rancor beast in Return of the Jedi. But I may have just gotten a little nerdy. Sorry about that. All right. Well, it is pretty clear that the rancor beast, the petty divisiveness in Washington and the nation as a whole is worse than it was even under George W. Bush. It's worse than it was under Clinton, and Clinton was impeached. It's certainly worse than it was under Bush 41 and Ronald Reagan. Reagan and Tip O'Neill, the Democrat Speaker of the House, actually worked together pretty well. So the question is, whose fault is the increased vitriol and and the rancor?
1: There are a whole lot of folks in this chamber, good people, who, who would like to see more cooperation, would like to see a more elevated debate in Washington, but feel trapped by the imperatives of getting elected, by the noise coming out of your base.
0: I know, you've told me. The noise coming out of your base. Oh, I see. So it's our fault. It's the Tea Party's fault. It's all those unreasonable American citizens who caused this problem. It's those pesky voters. It's us. It's you. It's me. We're the the problem. So does President Obama think he could have done anything as our president to have changed the tone of our politics?
1: I have no doubt A, a president with the gifts of Lincoln or Roosevelt might have better bridged the divide. And I guarantee I'll keep trying to be better
0: so long as I hold this office. That is a total, complete, self-serving cop-out. Only someone as great as Lincoln or Roosevelt could have made things better. Are you kidding me? It's bull. It's interesting because, to me, there have been times in his past speeches where he said things that I truly believe could have improved cooperation between the parties. Things like when he said, we have to find a way to disagree without being disagreeable. He was right on that. When he said, there are no red states, there are no blue states, there's only the United States. Love that. A president who had acted as if those words were his true mission could have, would have changed the tone in this country. He didn't have to live up to the rhetoric of Lincoln or Roosevelt. He just had to attempt to live up to his own rhetoric. Instead, when he's given the opportunity to take the high road, he does this instead. Listen to what the president said to Matt Lauer the morning of the State of the Union Address.
1: So, when you stand and deliver that State of the Union address in no part of your mind or brain, can you imagine Donald Trump standing up one day and delivering a State of the Union address? Well, I can imagine it uh, in a Saturday night skit.
0: As if it was a joke. Okay. Well, Trump is currently leading the Republican nomination with support from about 35% of the party. The president's flippant remark there is an insult to all of those people. Again, the base, the rancor coming from the base, us. You do the math. His remark insulted about 28 million Americans. That's about what Donald Trump's support is right now. Maybe that's why the partisan rancor has increased under this presidency. In his prepared speeches written by somebody else, he has wonderful, uplifting, inspirational moments. But when he's speaking from the heart Off the cuff, he spews verbal venom with the best of them.
1: And if Latinos sit out the election, instead of saying, we're going to punish our enemies and we're going to reward our friends who stand with us on issues that are important to us.
0: Yeah. In his prepared remarks, there is no red state, there is no blue state, there's only the United States. But when he speaks spontaneously from his heart, Republicans aren't just the opposition, they're the enemy, and they have to be punished. Maybe that contributes to the divide, Mr. President? In addition to the problems with partisanship growing worse, race relations have also grown worse under Barack Obama. And like the partisan ranker, race relations haven't gotten worse in spite of his best efforts. They've gotten worse in part because of his words
1: certain circumstances around being the first African-American president that might not have confronted a previous president. Absolutely. I think if you're talking about the specific virulence of some of the opposition uh, uh, directed towards me, then uh, you know that may be explained by the particulars of, of uh, who I am.
0: There are so many problems with this. Again, He's accusing American voters who disagree with him of being racist. And the only evidence he has that they are racist is that they disagree with him. The excuse that people disagree with you because of your race makes it easier to dismiss the criticism, even when it's valid criticism. That's a problem. You may need to go back and listen to my podcast on failing criticism. I talk about this. It also ignores the fact that some of the people who voted against him because of race, if if there were some people who did that, there were also people who voted for him because of race. Is it only wrong to oppose someone for racial reasons? Isn't it also wrong to support someone for purely racial reasons? The people who voted for Barack Obama because he was black voted against John McCain and Mitt Romney because they weren't. Isn't that also a problem? Or is racism only a problem when it's leveled at you? In every racial flare-up in the last seven years, this president has always sided with the people who looked more like him. Facts be damned, he chose race over reason every time from the Black Panthers patrolling polling places to the Beer Summit to Trayvon Martin to Michael Brown. Race trumped reason every single time.
1: I don't know, not having been there and not seeing all the facts, what role race played in that. But I think it's fair to say, number one, any of us would be pretty angry. Number two, that the Cambridge police acted stupidly. But my main message is, is uh, to the parents of uh, Trayvon Martin. Um, you know, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon.
0: So what? Why, why even bring that up? Who does that help? Mr. President, when it comes to the increasing divides between Republicans and Democrats, between blacks and whites, events haven't simply unfolded around you beyond your control. They have deteriorated because of the words you chose to speak and the moments you chose to speak them. You are the leader of our country. We reached this moment in our nation's history because you led us here. Mr. President, I disagree with you. Not because your skin is darker than mine, but because your words are darker than mine. Thanks for listening. If you like these podcasts, please share them with your friends on Facebook and on Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can do so at my website, AmericaOnPar.com. I'm Stephen Parr and I can still see old glory flying over me. In the first